Welcome to My Empower Project with your host, Erin Rowe. We will discuss nutrition, fitness, becoming your own boss, and just becoming better every day. I invite you to join My Empower Project as we embark, embrace, encompass, and enlighten. Hey, Chris. Thanks for joining me. I normally introduce people, but I kind of want to give you a chance. So can you please share who you are and what you do? Sure. Thank you so much for first having me, Erin. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful. I am a, a chronic pain specialist here in Denville, New Jersey. I help people who have had pain for more than six months or and who have seen at least three to five other doctors or therapists with only temporary relief finding find permanent lasting relief through the treatment of fascial adhesion. So that's my day job. And then I also help people who would like coaching with depression, anxiety, and achieving the, the life of their dreams. I don't know how you find time to do stuff on the side, but that's a good mix. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a lot, but it, it makes me, my heart come alive. So I, I keep going. <laughs> uh, now your background is in chiropractic. So what made you go the non-traditional route with your type of treatment? I was a football player in high school and college, and my parents had always gone to see chiropractors when I was younger. So it always occurred to me that they went because it made them feel better and they didn't use drugs, which always resonated with me. So I knew I wanted to be some type of healer and the medical route did not speak to me. So when I went to chiropractic school, I had done enough damage to my joints playing football and rugby that chiropractic adjustments were not helping me. So because I wasn't being helped, I was like, what can I be helped by? And I got lucky in that I saw my mentor speak at school and he said, in chiropractic school, you're taught who can you help with chiropractic? You can help everybody, adjust everybody's joints and everything is going to get better. And that never resonated with me. And then my mentor, Dr. Brady of Integrative Diagnosis said, you actually can't help everybody. However, you can help a small percentage of people better than anybody else is helping them. And that resonated with me. And then I got treated with adhesion and I, got, I felt so much better. So that's the route I chose to go. And I'm so grateful that I did because of the patients I get to serve today, like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of adhesion, years ago, I went to a physical therapist and they used the Graston technique. Yeah. And I thought it made a difference. And she also used Gua Sha, which yes. that's ironically popping up in the beauty community for like under your neck. <laughs> Those two techniques, they're not common knowledge. And I found you on Instagram because I was searching for someone who dealt with fascial release similar to the Graston and Gua Sha. Tell me a little bit about your technique. So my mentor, Dr. Brady, used to be an active release technique instructor. And as an ART instructor, he was never somebody who believed in just using his hands. He said, why use my hands when I could potentially use an instrument and save my hands? So what he realized was the hands are better in certain tissues than instruments are. However, instruments are better than the hands in other tissues. And we found that about 30% of the body can be treated effectively with instruments. So then he started experimenting with Guasha, sound-assisted treatment, Graston technique, and any other instrument or tool he can get his hands on. And what he realized is that there are certain principles that when you apply to the body, make a treatment more or less effective. And so those principles are 
are you feeling grit underneath the instrument as a practitioner? Is the patient feeling grit underneath the instrument as they're being treated? Is there a sound that sounds like there's fascia or adhesion being torn up? In other words, he said, treat just the unhealthy, sick tissue, leave all the healthy tissue and when you do this, you can do as little treatment as possible and get as much of an effective dosage as possible that results in a permanent lasting improvement in somebody's pain. So it's very specific. It's based on only treating adhesion wherever it's located and not treating any of the healthy tissue that is located around that piece of sick, unhealthy tissue that is adhesion. So you might have just answered this, but since most people have like a faulty knee or shoulder, if that's left untreated, does that eventually lead to the bigger issue or is that because the healthy tissue is also being touched? So you're asking if somebody has an unhealthy joint, mm -hmm. you're asking what happens with that? Will their adhesion be come up or what will happen with their pain? Can you just reframe that question? Yeah. So I just feel like all these common aches and pains, they sort of get left untreated and then it leads to bigger issues, but maybe- Oh, got it. Maybe it's just that we're treating not the right areas. Yeah, so there are a couple questions there. The first question is these things that allow pain to continue to be present in a long-term way. So what I'll say is this, any pain that is allowed to continue for a long-term basis is essentially like a small fire inside of your house that's being allowed to be present despite a very low whisper of a fire alarm being there. Pain is a signal from the brain telling the body, hey, there's damage and we need to do something about this fire and this damage or it will continue to grow and become more of a problem. Like That's what a problem and pain is. So when there's a pain and a problem and it's ignored or not acknowledged or fixed, that problem will get worse because what you will do is you'll continue using that body part and it will put further stress on the damaged tissue. So it's essentially a mechanical thing. Like the mechanics of the body are it's saying, I can't handle this stress. And then when you continue putting stress on that damaged tissue, it will inevitably get worse. So that answers the question as far as what happens when pain is allowed to be there for some period of time and isn't nipped in the bud immediately so somebody is pain-free. And then the second part of the question as far as, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're doing things that aren't addressing the cause of the problem, if you're doing things that are only giving you temporary relief, same thing. It's kind of like the fire gets turned to a very low flame but because it's a fire and it just needs oxygen and wood and fuel, you will do put more stress on it and the fire will inevitably grow bigger again until ultimately what we see in our clinic is the fire, it comes close to burning somebody's whole house down and that's when their life really suffers. When we do a treatment, whether it's Graston or ART or even adhesion release or anything else that isn't addressing the cause the primary number one issue of the pain, it's a bad thing because it allows that fire to inevitably get bigger, whether it's a day in the future or a month in the future or five years in the future, it, the fire will get bigger. And it's just a matter of time before it takes down that person's whole house and they're not happy with their life. So that's why we do the best we can to address the primary cause that is adhesion. 
that do you think soft tissue is something people should really start looking into? If somebody has chronic musculoskeletal pain, I will put my money where my mouth is. Soft tissue work, especially work that focuses on adhesion, is the number one cause of chronic pain that almost nobody is talking about. And I've, <laughs> I haven't done this yet. But I've thought about putting myself out there on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere I could put myself out there and say, if you have a treatment that addresses musculoskeletal pain, I am really dedicated to finding the number one treatment for it. And I would love to do a Facebook, YouTube, Instagram live of two people treating someone's chronic pain and basically having a face off. Um, now that sounds very egotistical and cocky of me, but my purpose in doing that and I fully realize that somebody might be better than me and make me feel like a fool, which I'm very willing to do. But my purpose in doing that is to let people know how serious I am about this adhesion treatment being the best thing that people can do in order to fix their chronic pain. And I'm invested in that because people are suffering. So yes, soft tissue work is, is integral if somebody wants to be, have a pain-free life and have longevity well into their 60s, 70s, and 80s. I think it's great that you put yourself out there because it's just that people aren't educated. They just think it's their cartilage or an old injury and don't realize that it can maybe be fixed. Yeah, it's heartbreaking to to observe people who are stuck in pain and it's affecting them. I mean, it, it's just heartbreaking. So that's why I'm, I, we do the best we can to get out there on social media and anywhere else to educate people on this stuff. Do you find any common trend that you see, like that you could give general advice? It's not, I don't want to say age better, but just to keep people's bodies performing better. Is there like a quick tip or anything that you can give? I, the biggest misconception, there are a few gigantic misconceptions. Um, one of them is, is that I'm tight, so I need to stretch. And if you have a small problem, stretching is going to work. You're going to get more flexible and you're going to swear by stretching. But what I found is that when people have a chronic injury and they're tight, they will stretch for years and I'll ask them and I'll, I'll say, what are you doing for your pain or tightness? And they'll be like, Oh, I'm stretching. And they're like, yeah, I do it every day for 10 minutes a day. And then I'll say, what do you get out of it? And then a blank look comes over their face and they're like, I don't know. I feel like I'm supposed to be doing it. And then when I connect the dots for them that where they see that the stretching is not working, I'm like, so you're basically playing into Albert Einstein's role of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And the stretching is not working. A tightness or a restriction in flexibility is a sign that somebody has sometimes joint damage, but definitely adhesion. And to observe that sign and to stop wasting our time and energy and trying to stretch something and instead just get the flexibility fixed by removing adhesion is a huge piece of knowledge and wisdom that can help somebody stop beating their head against the wall. So that's the stretching misconception. And the other one is about knots. Three times a day, five times a day, people are like, oh yeah, I've been getting these knots massaged for years and it feels great when I get a massage and two days I have no symptoms and it always comes back. Well, stop getting your knots massaged because the knots are secondary problems. The trends here are people have these false realities about their body when it comes to tightness, when it comes to knots, when it comes to what is really causing their pain. And they do things that are either ignorant or disrespectful of those body parts that ends up causing harm in the short term. Then 
when they turn 50 or 60 or 70 years old, when they are potentially in need of a joint replacement or they're in such bad pain that they can't live anymore, that's what breaks my heart. So the trends are observations that we can make to what is causing the pain so that we can do what we need to do to get out of pain now. And I know that that's not necessarily practical advice. It's not like do this exercise or eat these foods, but it's part of my work is more we need to be conscious about what our body is saying to us in order for us to figure out what we need to do in order to express pain-free living again. It's so ironic you said that because I just kept stretching and stretching and I just, I kind of did it out of habit, but thought that that was my only choice. And I'll open up a little bit about my personal story. So I had Uh some lower body tightness that prevented me from working out, as you know, for months and months. And this began directly after I competed at my national level fitness show. So I went at that point from training twice a day to never, and that took a toll on me. And so I was like, oh, I just just must be tight or dehydrated. I'll stretch it out. It didn't work. Like I said, it took a mental toll on me. And you had suggested meditation. (laughs) And with all of like the pill pusher doctors out there, I was so happy to see that you threw something out there to me that we all hear about, but we don't take it seriously. And the impact of meditation can really make our health better and it's significantly overlooked. So what made you recommend meditation to me? I mean, we're talking about physical pain, but if it was just physical pain, like would anybody really give it a shit? Nobody cares about the pain. People care about how the pain doesn't allow them to do or be what they want to do or be in life. So it's more about, I can't work out. I can't work out so that I can look good and attract the me and have sex with other people or I can't take care of my kids or I can't hold my newborn baby like so and these things have an emotional attachment to them and having an emotional attachment means there I'm suffering because I can't do the thing I want to do and so What the meditation allows us to do is to create space inside our mind so that we can see things clearly, so that we can untangle ourselves from the suffering and see what we need to do so that we aren't miserable anymore. I mean, my history is one of depression and being suicidal. So yes, I became a physical pain doctor, but it's funny that I'm, I'm treating physical pain, but really what I'm trying to help people do is be emotionally happy and stop their emotional suffering because that's the thing that causes 44,000 Americans every year to, co- to commit suicide. So the meditation is an easy way that everybody is aware of in this society that creates space to allow happiness and joy in. And once we create that the happiness and joy, it has a self-awareness. It's like we're constantly looking in the mirror to look at ourselves and say, okay, I'm saying I want this goal and I want to achieve this dream. Am I walking towards this goal and dream? And in which case the mirror and the self-awareness and meditation is working. But if we're meditating or we have self-awareness and we're not pursuing this thing that we say is really important to us, then we have to really question ourselves and say, am I lying to myself? Do I really want this thing? Why am I not pursuing this thing? Am I scared? Do I have an emotional trauma from my childhood? Was I abused as a child and this thing is in the way? Do I have a false story of relief about it? The meditation creates space. And when the creation of space, everything flourishes and flowers. 
So I, I appreciate that you remembered that I told you that um, because it, it's such a beautiful practice and all it takes literally is starting at two minutes a day. That's all I tell people to do now is, can you commit to two minutes to breathe, please? And just get a win. And after you win from two minutes, it'll naturally, without you even trying, spread to five minutes, to 10 minutes, to 30 minutes. Like that's all it takes is just a little bit of a win each day. And I appreciated that you opened up about your struggles because most doctors, they don't share anything about their life and it's just kind of unrelatable. And sort of along those lines, how much of a role do you think that stress plays on the physical body? Physical stress or mental or emotional stress? Actually, mental and emotional stress. Do you think it affects us physically? Yeah, of course. I look at pain as a puzzle. And how many puzzle pieces are there? Is there one gigantic puzzle piece, in which case it's a home run? Are there four puzzle pieces and one's really big and three are small? Address the biggest one first and then the three small ones. Usually it's multifactorial, which just means there are multiple puzzle pieces. So a mental and emotional stress is one puzzle piece. Now there are people in this pain science world who say that all physical pain is attached to emotional mental stress, in which case they're saying it's one puzzle piece, which... I, is not true because <laughs> we have a practice that is growing and flourishing and it's not that we address the emotional mental piece directly, but the mental emotional piece is no bigger than an, any other piece and it's no smaller than any other piece. If people have an association in their mind where if they get stressed thinking about their partner or husband or wife and pain comes, that's a really strong indicator that there's a mental emotional piece, stress piece to their pain. So it's just a matter of observing the self, looking in the mirror and being self-aware to discover how much of that mental or emotional piece is contributing towards one's physical pain. And of course, the mental emotional stress does physiologically cause a fight or flight response, which will inhibit the immune system's ability to heal. So that part's there too, but there's also a mental part, which more recently has really been fascinating me. Yeah, I think in all things, as I've gotten older, the main thing I've learned is like being aware and not just going through the motions is how you can really figure out the true issue and get better. Yeah, self-aware. I mean, I don't know if you follow Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V or not, the wine library guy. Yes, but do. yeah, he, he's like self-awareness is everything. And he's talking to entrepreneurs. But I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like, dude, self-awareness isn't everything for entrepreneurs. Self-awareness is everything for everybody. Like whatever you want to do in life, being self-aware is the key because then you once you're self-aware you can figure shit out and yeah, so otherwise I'm you never change from where you are people say stuck they i mean we all know people who die at the end of their life being like my whole life is a regret i wish i did this or did that when i was 30 40 50 60 i mean this is my father right now he's getting old and he's just like my whole he told my brother a few months ago my whole life that my life sucked and I'm just looking at like, dad, you told me a million times things you wanted to do and you never once got over your fear and did that thing. So he was just lacking the self-awareness to realize he could change this stuff. Yeah, the person, I do listen to Gary Vee, but the person who first told me about self-awareness was Grant Cardone. Yes, he's um, awesome. Yeah, like he's like reflect, write it down. So I like him too. He's brilliant. I love him. I invested in his real estate in December, in January. Are, are I'm excited. You yeah. That's exciting. It is exciting. I love investing. 
I think when I called your office, I was like, hi, I'm new. I don't want to be cracked. I think I remember saying that. <laughs> I I'm love it. a chiropractor and you'd never cracked me. So from a business perspective, and as you said, entrepreneurial, you chose to open up shop with a new style. How did you overcome any hesitations that you were a little different? And, and how did you take the leap into such a big career move? I mean, I've been reflecting over this recently. We just had a staff meeting today and we were talking about this type of stuff. Because of my childhood, and I love my mom so much, but she wanted me to do things from a very early age her way. Um, I wasn't allowed to wear sweatpants to school and I wanted to. I had to dress my hair a certain way. I had to get very good grades. She wanted me to play piano and all I wanted to do was go outside and play football with my friends. And it's not because of my mom, but a lot of her upbringing and what she wanted for me, what she was looking out for me to be safe was to follow her way. And it, I, my body and my, my person rebelled. And I just, from a very early age, realized that if I'm not being myself, I'm going to be heartbroken and I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> like that's where I come from. So as far as I've always been attached to like, what am I really trying to go after? What are my goals? I don't give a shit about grades. Sure. I'll get a chiropractic degree, but I don't care if I get D's as long as I pass. So I legally can do this. So when I learned that adhesion got better results for pain than chiropractic adjustments and I saw like those patterns, it became clear to me that there, were, there was no hesitation as far as leaving chiropractic adjustments aside. I am focused on a result. That's what people in business or when they do anything, they pay money for. They're not paying money for like, oh, this adjustment thing, I heard about it and I, I don't know, I just want to be popped. Like, fine, if you're paying for the pop, go see one of the other million chiropractors in the area. If you're looking for chronic pain relief that lasts and is permanent, we're the only people in New Jersey doing this. So, I mean, I've, I've emphasized that in my mind as time has gone by, but still early on it was people are going to come to see me because they want a certain result that they're not getting with other doctors. And I've just been hyper-focused on that result with, with people who I serve whether that's in the clinic or whether that's people I work with in depression and anxiety, it doesn't matter. How do, how do people take to that when you show them your different approach? I mean, there are a lot of people who, who go to chiropractors and don't get the results they want. So I think that in 2000, I started the practice in 2010 and 2019 right now, people, pain is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. People are getting in more pain. So there's a massive market for results. So I think people are just hungry for like, oh, I can get permanent lasting relief. I mean, I have a two week wait list now. We just hired Dr. Joe, who's New Jersey's first soft tissue neck specialist. He is growing fast. I'm getting ready to bring on a New Jersey's first low back soft tissue specialist in the fall. Like this stuff is taking off and it's just because people are hungry for results. And yeah, it's, it's just what works for people. People don't want to do what they know is not getting the results that they want. So, I mean, if people are getting results with chiropractic adjustments, I'm happy for them. I'm not saying that people don't get results with the adjustments. I'm just saying that when people go back over and over and over again for chiropractic adjustments and it's been months, I can get permanent and lasting relief for 90% of the people who come into our office in five visits or less and prove myself with an expectation and a timeline. And people like that. They like to know like this is what I can expect because this is the role that adhesion plays in our body. 
it's just a matter of being honest with people and clearly communicating what to expect and then being able to deliver on that or when I'm not delivering, let them know what's in my head. Like this isn't making sense right now. So we have to figure some other stuff out. And people just like being told the truth and being seen with human eyes. Well, I'm excited that you're growing like that. And just in general that you decided to do something different. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I every day I meditate on my deathbed and I think about dying. And when I'm depressed, what gets me out of bed is knowing that I have another person to serve. So I, if I wasn't serving people and delivering results, I would have moved to Hawaii on a beach and lived by myself in the shack with my partner, Katie, and my baby bear. Um, but I, we are serving a, a, a role in New Jersey, revolutionizing pain care. So I take it very seriously and I want to help people who are suffering. That's amazing. And then how do people find you for even like help with depression? Is that they should call the office or is that email? Yeah, I mean, most of it is is through people who know me. But then in the office, when I see somebody who's really struggling or they're on antidepressants, and they've already tried the conventional psychotherapy route and they've done self-help stuff and they're reading and they're meditating and they're still struggling. I mean, how long am I going to let that go? Like how mo- how long am I going to let somebody be at alone at night and cry themselves to sleep? So it's that person who I know is alone and is hurting because I've been hurting that person who's hurting. I reach out to them and say, do you want help? Will you let me help you? Will you let me see you? Will you let me hold you? And then from there, it's just having an ongoing conversation to see what what they'll let me be willing to do for them, to lift them up. That's great that you don't just like push them out onto the next client and you really take the time. That's great. Isn't that, we're human, you know, Erin? Like we're, we're supposed to be connecting with each other and loving each other. And our society is so individualistic and materialistic. It's not, we are homo sapiens. We are pack animals. We're tribal, but we don't treat each other like tribal, like a pack. When I first moved into my house, my neighbors, I could feel them being like, who the fuck is this guy? And it took me so much love and going out of my way to be like, can I shovel your driveway for you? Can I buy you some flowers? Do you want food? I have a friend staying with us right now who's a contractor and I sent him over to one of my neighbors last week and I was like, can you knock on her door and tell her that as a gift from Chris, you will do anything in, in my, in your power to help her house or fix her house. And the one neighbor took her up and yesterday he went to her father's house around the corner and he was throwing out garbage for her. And I was so happy that she took him up on this because she's understanding how much, how important my relationship with my neighbors who are here to look over my home with me. Like we are tribal. We need to treat each other with love. We're not meant to be saying like, oh, this is your problem and that not my problem. Your problem is my problem. What can I do to help you and love you? That's so nice. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No, a lot of people, I just feel like well, they didn't do it for me, so I'm not going to be nice to them. But, you know, we just have to keep being nice till it, the fire gets lit on the other end. Yeah, the research says that if you want to stay depressed, keep thinking that way. Mm-hmm. So like, like, oh, this person didn't do anything for me. If I don't get anything, I'm not going to do it. So I've just become clear. I have to nip depression in the bud. 
And as soon as that type of mindset comes in, I suffocate it. I'm like, who do I need to serve? Go out and love them and do whatever I can. And so it's, yeah, I have no tolerance for suffering anymore. None. So this is actually a perfect question for you because I ask all my guests if they have a morning routine, but do you think a morning routine actually helps people with depression? (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've only really understood this in the past maybe since November, December, the past four months. Um, Cause I thought I just had to be like, don't do anything and figure out what your spirit or your heart is telling you to do and only do that. But we're human beings that have this conscious mind and these hands that are meant to be doing. And what's inherent in that those traits, as far as having hands in this conscious mind is the fact that uh, our brain is conditioned one way or another what we do for they say that to change a habit it has to be 60 days of doing that habit what does that mean that means that your nerves fire in a certain way that cause you to either do a or b and a is a thing that lifts you up and b is a thing that pushes you down and so i have lived so much of my life doing b in a way where i said fuck you chris i hate you i wish you were dead And so what I'm doing is rewiring thoughts that I used to literally journal and write down on pieces of paper over and over and over again. I am changing those thoughts with morning routines where I'm now building myself up in a way that I'm doing for my nine month old baby. So it's, I love you, Chris. You deserve to be alive. You deserve to experience joy. And the the number one way that I figured this out in November was I live on Rainbow Lake in Denville. So I jump in the lake every single day, no matter how cold it is. I have an ax right next to my door and I go and when it's icy, I make a hole in the ice and I force myself to get in there. And what it does is I'm disciplining my mind and I allow that discipline of going to the cold to eventually do the Wim Hof breathing that I do at 520 every morning with a friend who we call each other. And then I meditate for 15 minutes and then I write down three things I'm grateful for. And then I read my morning declaration, which is a vision for myself and my life. And then I'll go and do whatever my most important work is for the day before I see patients. So that discipline has created more happiness and joy in myself right now than I've had in a few years. And it's pouring over into the practice growing in a way that I haven't experienced in a few years. So morning routines are foundational if we want to live a joyous life I can't say enough about it what's yours mine I hope to change I always make work an excuse but (laughs) uh, yeah but mine right now it is not work out in the morning I'm I just I tried that I know that I don't function best in the morning so I took that out and now my newer one is I want complete silence Beautiful. I don't want any comparisons going on with the internet. I don't want any other thoughts in my head. I want my own thoughts. So I definitely like it quiet. And then I just think of like the major tasks I'm completing that day and just like ease into the morning. And then, then it just gets, you know, fast fire work all day. But yeah, if I don't have that quiet, I'm just like not myself in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I can tell as you're talking about it, it sounds like that stillness really guides you on a daily basis. Yeah, and I've I've heard a lot about creating habits and routine. So people kind of do things because they're told to, but I think it's more like a mindset shift. It's not creating the actual habit. It's like you said about changing the way your mind works, and that happens through habits. 
Yeah, right on. And it has to be individual too. Like what yeah. works for one person might not work for another. My best business coaches say you need to find the habits and routines that work for you and stop trying to do what everybody else is doing. Yeah. So no more 5 a.m. workouts. I'm going to work out when I feel best. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Thanks. So do you have any mentors or books that have helped you along your journey? I love to read and I have several coaches as we speak and I'm always going through different people. Jonathan Fields of the Good Life Project has been a huge mentor for me. Um, His mission is just, yes, create a business and make a lot of money, but do it through service and through leading with your heart. So that's been huge for me. His podcast is amazing. I love Ramit Sethi from I Will Teach You To Be Rich. He's taught me so much about the psychology of people and what they're looking for and being able to communicate to them in a way that shows them that you can help them get results. So he's been a huge person for me. I love Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week guy. He's taught me a lot as far as asking questions and contemplating questions for months at a time to see what your subconscious mind comes up with the answers. He's been huge for me. More recently, Ram Das. he's more of a spiritual guy. He has this quote that says, we're all just walking each other home. And that, that just feels so good. Anytime I say that, I'm like, that's what we're doing. We're just walking each other home and loving each other. We have to stop like choosing different paths from other people and saying, I don't want to be around you. So Ram Das has been huge. Is four good? Do you want more? <laughs> that's good because I'm not familiar with them. And like you said, I always go through different mentors depending on what I'm going through. So... I like to look up new inspirational people. Yeah, I get I get things from each person. And at certain times, I'm looking for new people based on what I'm struggling with so I can solve that problem. I mean, in this world, there's always an answer. It's just a matter of being open to the answers that people are offering and where are we resisting that solution. The last podcast I did was about being flexible, like in your mind, like being willing to listen to other people's points of view. Yeah, as humans, we have the ability to observe. And usually if we're not flexible, it's implying some emotional wound. So if we're resisting it, that means that we're scared of either trusting somebody or of doing something that isn't what we've always done. So anytime I notice that I'm resisting or inflexible, I immediately ask, where's the wound? And then I use my conscious energy to go to that wound. And usually there are negative emotions attached to it. And I allow myself to feel those emotions until they process and pass. So this is human. Yeah, this is our work. I see behind you, you have chakra symbols. (laughs) You're looking at me. I can't see you. Oh, well, I have the, um, (laughs) yeah, I have my camera closed. But this weekend I went to the Gem and Crystal show. And I don't know much about chakras, but the podcast I just did about flexibility was, I called it, I don't buy it because people are just so quick to judge like chakras and crystals. Yeah. And I was talking about like, you need to be flexible to open your mind about things that are just not familiar to you. That's why it's weird to you. It's not familiar. And so, yeah, I went and got some more crystals. <laughs> yeah. I'm still learning though. We all are. And and as long as we're open, I never believed in any of this stuff. I, I don't know if I told you in the office, but I'll tell you now, I consume a massive amount of psychedelics. <laughs> so uh, ayahuasca and magic mushrooms, psilocybin cubensis. And when I first started doing these ceremonies, I used to watch the healer or shaman do work on people. He'd start putting his hands on people and they would start throwing up. 
And what they say in ayahuasca ceremonies is you might have to purge because you're going to feel nausea in your stomach. So I was like, this is a physiologic thing. And then when I started drinking ayahuasca, I started seeing colors and shit come out of people that I knew with certainty was their body releasing things. I saw it. And then when I started purging, I would start throwing up. And in my mind, I would see skulls and crossbones and garbage and different traumas that I've had come out of my mouth as I'm purging into a bucket. I could not believe that this stuff was happening because like people talk about, oh, you drink ayahuasca, stuff's going to happen. But then I realized you're actually releasing emotional trauma and wounds when you consume this plant medicine that comes from the earth and let it go out of your body. It's fascinating to me. And so it's like, what is nausea and purging? It's the body getting rid of some toxins. So physically that happens. But we don't, we don't acknowledge and respect the fact that emotional wounds and emotional toxins can come out if we allow them to and we know how to breathe through it. So that's when I started seeing that, I was like, oh, crystals, chakras, gems, Reiki healing, your hand, all of it just opened up to me in a way that now I see so much potential. So part of my work with this, especially this depression stuff is there's a lot of deep healing that we have no idea is possible that's alluded to in different different mystic traditions and shamanism but because of the society it keeps it hush so i am working to explore these things and to see how much healing is really possible and when we heal in this really deep way what will our communities and our society and denville new jersey and morris county new jersey and new jersey and the eastern coast and the united states look like if we really go down to the roots of this earthly healing that mother nature is trying to shower us with so i love that you're opening up to it because we've talked about this aaron i told you i've told you that you are a healer of some sort based on your path. Like you have some intuitive gift that I, I don't even know yet, but I can just feel your power and I can't wait to see what happens as you continue to step into this. So it makes me so happy to hear that you're opening up the chakras and crystals. Yeah, so I, I knew I for a while that I've had an intuitive gift, but I didn't believe in Reiki until I had it done. I think it was literally like two months ago. I have a question though. How did you first, since you were skeptical, how did you first find a shaman and get involved in all of that? So um, I'm very, I used to be very A type. So Tim Ferriss on the four hour work week was like, oh, all these Silicon Valley entrepreneurs are drinking ayahuasca, it's making better business owners and they're growing their business by millions of dollars. And I was like, oh, I want to grow my business by millions of dollars and help more patients. So I want to drink ayahuasca. So I found a shaman in Brooklyn just through a friend. And I drank ayahuasca with him and immediately felt uh, unconditional love. And then I, don't, I only did two ceremonies with him. And then my partner, Katie, was doing sound healing with an energy healer in New Jersey. And she was referred to this healer by one of my patients who was going to his group sound healing sessions. And so she was doing these sessions and she kept telling me about this guy and she's like, Oh, he's rattling instruments and I start crying and he's seeing into me and he's seeing different things. And then eventually I found out that he was serving the medicine. And so she did a ceremony with him and then I did a ceremony with him and I've been drinking ayahuasca with him since uh, four years ago. And he has changed my life 
by the principles he's taught me. He, he's Native American, Lakota. When I meditate, I go to a place where I'm sitting by an elder, a Native American elder, and I sing the Native American songs and I say the, the Lakota mantras and words. So I found him through serendipity. Tim Ferriss, the shaman in Brooklyn, my patient who told Katie about him, and then she told me about him, and then I've been following in his footsteps ever since. Oh, that's so interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so we got off topic. So I, I know. <laughs> I want to tell my listeners how they can find you on social media because a lot of people deal with chronic pain, as you know, and I want them to get treated the proper way. So where can we find you on social media? I appreciate your trust very much, Erin. So Instagram or Facebook is just Barefoot Rehab. My Instagram profile that deals with depression is Dr. Christopher Stepien, Dr. Christopher Stepien. And um, I just look to connect with people and anybody who feels alone at night. I connect with them there. So any way that I can serve people, I'm, I will do anything to help somebody suffer less. Okay, that's wonderful, Chris. I'll put that information in the show notes for anybody who's listening while driving right now. And thank you so much for being here today. I'm very grateful for you, Erin. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can find every episode, including the written versions to read on AaronRowe.com. Be sure to leave a review because I love hearing your opinions on the topics I shared. Are they new? Are they helpful for you? Tap that subscribe button so you don't miss the future interviews and enlightenment to come. This episode was brought to you by me and only me because I love sharing new ideas with you. Take action to become better. Have a fabulous day.